Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic. Berto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. As usual, how's everybody doing? I trust everybody had a great day. Everybody's going to have a great day. Everybody will continue to have a great day. Hey, it's Father's Day weekend. So you know what? I just realized I have an interview scheduled for Father's Day, which means I probably need to either cancel it or change the time or something. Anyhow, welcome aboard Bridge MCP. Everybody needs to see the modifications that Bridge MCP made to that deck on her several acres worth of land. It's beautiful. She made some changes. Bridge, I'm waiting on the pick. She says, I hate clowns and I watch Madison Garden. No circus clown. Oh. Anyway, folks, E2247, my dear brother, welcome aboard. Eric Hayes is in the house. E2247 is in the house as well. Let's say hello to Brother E2247, BGMCP. Who else is here? Who else is here? Let's find our peeps. I'm scrolling up, folks. AVQ, Senor Rodnin is in the house. And guess who brought... Well, I guess... You know what? Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. Our resident beauty. Guess what, Yvette? You miss being the first one in the house or Lincoln in the house from Rodden who came in a tad bit before. But anyway, how are my peeps doing? I trust everybody's doing fine. Okay, let's get started. Michael Rodden says, I recent, a recent data for progress uh, polls showed 74% of Americans, including 60% of Republicans, support increasing the minimum wage to $20 per hour. Ain't that something? No, it's not something, Brother Rudnin. Do you think somebody's going to say they don't want the money? I mean, I don't think there was ever a time when Republicans would just say, no, don't give me $20 an hour. I don't deserve it. A poll just came out as well that said uh, the Republican Party used to be made up of 48% white people and 48% on white folks without an education, 40% with an education. And it's changed now to 65% without an education. And it also said that um, the reason I brought that up is because the people that would say we want $20 an hour in the Republican Party would be those people who have jobs that they hate making $7.25 an hour, making $8 an hour, making $10 an hour. If you see that increase in the Republican Party of that's that the workers, the non-professionals, etc., those numbers make a lot of sense, Brother Rodnin, because suddenly it isn't just the elitist business person that make up the Republican Party, but guess what? Real people. Unfortunately, to get those real people, the party had to centralize on hate. And of course, when you centralize on hate. That's what you get. But anyhow, that, so that, that's, that, that explains that number, I think, clearly, my brother. That ex- explains that number clearly. Let's see if our auto mail went out already to warn people. Yes, it seems like it did. All right, continuing with the, the program, Breed says, talk about reparations. Uh, Germany will pay more than $1.4 billion next year to survivors of Nazi atrocities. The German government will pay more than $1.4 billion next year to Holocaust survivors in the latest compensation for atrocities and persecution inflicted by the Nazis. Nearly $890 million will go towards 
home care services, an increasingly vital aspect of the reparations effort as the Nazis' victims advance in age nearly 80 years after the Holocaust ended. You know, (laughs) anytime I think about that, right, I come here to America and I say, Madre mia, what will it take? What will it take for America to see the light? What will it take for America to say, you know what? We probably need to do the right thing as well. Reparations? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you how do you have a country who built its wealth on free labor and you know, well, we'll see what others have to say about that. E two two four seven says, "Yo, PDR Posse, why are scary clowns outlawed? Forbidden lots of places like schools more threatening." Than racism, not out, not outlawed, forbidden. Lots of places like the U.S. I don't know. E two two four seven also says Jack Smith prosecutor begs begged all to read indictment. Ali Velshi reads entire indictment against forty five. You know, I should have done that and put it on on my podcast as well. Maybe I'll do that. I wonder how long is the podcast E two two four seven. How long did it take Ali Velshi to read the whole thing? Is it more than one hour? I, I, well, it's only 46 pages. That seems like it could be done in, what, 15 minutes? Uh, let me know what it is, uh, E2247. Please answer that question, por favor. Bridge MCP says, I hate clowns and worked Madison Square Garden. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, do you know we are now announcing having plans to build railroad across the Indian Ocean? Biden said so. We're going to build raid rules across the Indian Ocean? Hmm. Show me the video. I would love to see Biden talking about railroads across the Indian Ocean. I think more than, well, I, I want to see it because I bet what he means is railroad to places via land, but who knows? Uh, Bridge on the hello desk. Let's see. Uh, Tom C says, too windy for sailing. Here to check out the winds of politics blowing from right to left. I love that. I love that. I love that. Melanie Keelan is in the house. Happy Friday, Melanie Keelan says. Melanie, was wonderful seeing you on our show early this morning. Unfortunately, I, I clipped a little piece of it. Uh, there's a piece of the show today that will be uh, some of the stuff we covered in the morning, early this morning at 6 a.m. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Rand Paul vows to block all Biden NIH nominees until a gain of function docs release after years of being ignored. Yeah, well, you can put a country at risk if you want. May lose your seat for it, but we'll see. All right, Bridge MCP finally gave us the deck pictures. Here are the pictures of Bridge MCP's deck. Tell me what you think about it. I think it is wonderful. I'm going to see if I can get Bridge MCP to come and spend a week here in Kingwood, Texas. and. Help me turn my pool, which is a money-hungry piece of crap, especially when you're no longer a a software developer entrepreneur. 
and change it to put a deck like that in. You know, that would be great. That would be excelente mundo, right? What can I say? Bridge MCP. That's beautiful. That is just beautiful. And you know what I like that you did, Bridge? I'm an engineer, so I see these things. It's on an incline, but you got it straight by having the poles, the different length poles. I like that. I like that. It's right on that incline, but you, the incline of the water that runs off from the home, but you still made it perfectly level. Exactamente. That's very good. Welcome, Lee Grant, to Politics Done Right. Uh, welcome. Uh, E2247 says reparations require more than just money. I agree. It requires a lot more. That's why I said reparations doesn't mean putting dollars definitely into people's hands only. Some people should have dollars in their hands. Absolutely. Uh, Yvette Avery Harris says reparations are definitely warranted. Absolutely so, my dear. May Wood says good afternoon, everyone. Happy Friday. Eric Hayes says something. I don't see the, just the link. Michael Renza Egberto Alivel, she read all 37 Trump indictment charges. Took an hour and 12 minutes. Wow, that's a long time, but I'll probably, I'll, just for the sake of having it in my portfolio, I'll probably do that as well. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, long time ago. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Peggy Lopez says, just have to say hi, all. Have a doctor's appointment in Oroville, about 150 miles round trip. Bridge MCP says, social media reacts to Biden gaff calling for railroad across the Indian Ocean. Uh, President Joe Biden has, uh, has long been a self-confessed gaff machine. And when he makes even the most minor regrettable statement, his critics typically pounce. It was therefore not surprising that there was a quicker than usual reflections on social media to his seemingly off-script remarks made at the League of Conservation Volunteers annual capital dinner Wednesday. According to the official White House transcript, Biden uh, remarked, we have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, and you did. <laughs> oh, wow. Let me see what, let me see if I can read exactly what he said. Uh, according to the House, the president remarked, we have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. Oh, maybe it was a joke. I don't know. I don't think that I don't think he's crazy enough to believe we're going to build a railroad on top of the Indian Ocean. All right. So I don't know. Maybe it was a joke. I don't think he's going to see now. Maybe it's a joke. Show it, Egberto. Oh, you want me to show show? Uh, let's see. I showed. Didn't I show it? Yeah, I showed her deck. I showed her deck. All right. Let's see what else we got here. But if you mean uh, the stuff from Biden, let's go ahead and put it on the screen. I think this is what this is what Bridge MCP posted. Social media reacts to Biden gaff calling for railroad across the Indian Ocean. Is that what you wanted me to show, um, uh, Miss Lopez? I mean, Peggy Lopez. There you go. Mike, Mike is here. She says, hi. Uh, what else have we got here? Peggy Lopez Bridge, your deck is beautiful. And I appreciate you're making a ramp for my walker. Uh-oh, Bridge took out the ramp. <laughs> 
Egberto Willis, nine cement posts is there with adjustable height. I knew you knew what you were doing, girl. I knew you knew what you were doing. Hey, Peggy, uh, positive affirmations for your meeting. Positive affirmations for your meeting. All right. Let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue. Uh, what else have we got here? Okay. I tell you what. There was an article at Common Dreams. You know, I love Common Dreams because it seeks out a whole lot of the stories. I pick up a lot of my stories at Common Dreams, pick it up off of also several of my other feeds. And this is, a, this is what I did this morning. And we'll pick it up after this in a little bit. Drug companies should not exist because I ran upon a story written by, I love the way, the, the amount of research he put into this story by Richard Escal. I think he's a, I think he's a, isn't he? For, I think he's also an opinion writer at the New York Times, if I recall correctly. And his title was, why should drug corporations like Merck and Eli Lilly even exist? I agree with you, Mr. Eskew. They don't, they shouldn't exist. They're nothing but parasites. What do I mean by that? For those, who, um, many, for, from all the advertising that these companies make, they're going to tell Americans how important they are because of the way our economic system works. They create great drugs and all these great drugs they create makes us more healthy. And not only does it make us more healthy, but it makes the United States a bastion of healthcare. And that's why the kings and queens around the world come to get service here at the Houston Medical Center, at the Mayo Clinic, and at all these great places of health that we have, which for all practical purposes is the truth. America, as I've heard Brother Howard say, Brother Howard, you used a phrase that I wanted to, to mimic that I always forget. Something about we have the best something you can oh, buy. Oh, yeah, that. We have the best government and justice money can buy and mm -hmm. the best health care you can afford. There you go. There you go. And, and that statement from Howard is profound. It's profound. He is absolutely so right because you know what? We have great health care. And yes, let's talk about the great health care that that money can buy. But most Americans are not going to get all those great discoveries that they paid for. I want to start out by reading pieces of his article. It says, how do big pharma executives have the nerve to show their faces in public? I want to stop there because I want to remind you of two of the, the stories that we covered earlier this, uh, this week. Welcome aboard, Melanie Keelan. Welcome aboard. Um, and it goes this way. Earlier, we spoke about inflation, who really causes it. And we also spoke about the Fed's raging, raising interest rates, penalizing the working class for a problem, inflation, not created by the working class, but business. And here we have the story that I'm covering today about drug companies. They are the ones creating large portions of the inflation rate as well. Because they're taking your money. All right. And I make the case here today. So again, for those who are just tuning in, I saw another batch just come in. For those who are just tuning in, title of the show again is Drug Companies Should Not Exist. And I'm going to read this story by Mr. SQ, a part of the story by Mr. SQ. And it goes this way. 
Why should drug companies like Merck and Eli Lilly even exist? How do big pharma executives have the nerve to show their faces in public, much less threaten to sue the government that has enriched them with the treasure and lives of the American public? Government-funded discoveries have given drug companies like Merck and Eli Lilly much, if not most, of their patented technology. The government lacks attitude toward drug company predation and criminality has made them even richer. I, I hope you get that because the drug companies are out there telling you that they've discovered something. They are making your lives better. They are making you healthier. It's a lie. Mostly every single drug created was done at a university or with a government grant. And what does that mean? It means that you, everybody who's listening to my voice right now and going to work every day, as you sit down many a times in your car, listening to the news and blaming your fellow brother and sister and blaming the other for the problems you are having in your life, for the health care you can't get, etc. Do remember where the problems lie with these corporate parasites. So again, what do they do? You are paying taxes every day. And you're, the taxes you pay are going to university to create great universities. And in those great universities, there are great scientists. And those great American scientists and scientists from all over the world, they're out there creating and researching new drugs. They're creating how the body responds to these things. And you know what? They, get, they, they experiment and experiment and experiment. And they find out, ah! This chemical reaction will work. Oh, the body actually absorbs things this way. They discover those things. And as they're doing it and their they're, they're, they're papers, they write and corporate executives read these papers. You know, they're, they're, they, they subscribe to these stuff, these things. They read these papers, right? And they say, ah, guess what? The University of XYZ is doing this maybe we should talk about buying it then they go out there and they go to the university and they talk to the professor and they decide they're going to get a they're going to give some money to the university to name a building after a professor or name a building after something in which case the patent gets transferred to that company they may even invest a little bit of money to further the research on something that will likely work. Remember what I've said in several other programs. Corporations do not take risks. They like to say we make big profits because we take risks. Corporations are in business to minimize risk. It's completely the opposite of what they tell you the reason for profit is. We accept profit because, you know, if you, if you do great, you make a profit. If you don't do well, you don't make a profit. But corporations today are risk averse. You doubt me? They go ahead and they make sure that something works first. Even your insurance company. Your insurance company says, ah, I'm risk averse. I need to make sure you're not sick. Then I insure you. If you're sick, forget it. You better go to the government. But if, I mean, but if you want insurance, we, you better be healthy. And then if you start billing the insurance company, we try not to pay you. It's risk averse. 
They don't take risks. They're in business to make money for their shareholders and their executives. All right. Continuing with the article, a recent staff report from Senate Health Education, Labor and Pension, it's called HELP, committee and its chair, Senator Bernie Sanders, found that the average price of treatments over the past 20 years that the NIH scientists help develop, help invent, is $111,000. Think about that again. I repeat, the average the average cost of any particular treatment invented over the last 20 years. And by the way, and who invented it again? We the people. Cost $111,000. Where do you think most of that money go to? Do you think it goes into research and development? Do you think it goes anywhere there? No. That money is a transfer of wealth from you into the pockets of Merck into the pockets of Eli Lilly and all these other companies, right? But we take it. You know why we take it? Because most of us don't know the truth. Most of us don't know that most of the money you pay for drugs go into the pockets of somebody else, even after you have paid for the development of that drug by the taxes you pay that go into universities and grants. And yet, At the first sign that the government might ask for something in return, these corporations bite the hand that feed them. Unfortunately, it's the public who bleeds. That is from the article. How rich is Merck? It's net income, not gross income, not gross sales. Its net income was $19 billion last year. An increase of what? 40% over the previous year. All right, let's stop there. I'm going to stop reading. I'm going to explain that. You have just gotten a net income of $19 billion. It's 40% over what it was the year before. What What is that called? Inflation to the people. Profits for them, inflation for the people. If their amount of profit went up by 40% and they didn't give 40% more services and products, That means that is inflation. Who creates inflation again? I I want us to think logically, folks. I don't want us to just listen to the news you hear on TV. If a company doesn't give more products and services, but their profits increase by 40%, that determines productivity increases and likely inflation. And what have we had over the last several years now? A large increase in inflation that goes correspondingly with a large increase in profits for corporations who are doing that, who are not doing any more services and products for you. The reason I break down and try to pr- tell you this is I want you always to, with a grain of salt when you're watching the news, to really listen to your backstory. Because this is calculated parasitic ripoff. Continuing. The CEO of the company, the CEO of the company, received 18,469,835 in total compensation. 
one person that year. On average, Merck's senior executives received more than 10 million each in 2022. I repeat, executives at, e- at, at Merck, the average executive at Merck made $10 million or more in 2022. Whose money is that? Did they invent anything? Did they create anything? Did they research anything? No, they're executives sitting down at a desk with a piece of paper, a pen, a computer, at Excel, uh, Excel spreadsheet. How comes there isn't a safe, a peaceful revolt against what we have allowed these people to do? You know, Johnny, several calls ago, said, Egberto, I know this. What do we do? What do we do? And I, you know, wrote a book called uh, How to, um, you know, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing friend, uh, Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, and another one called How to Make America Utopia. And in these books, what I always try to do is say, you know what, brothers and sisters, we have people on the radio, we have people writing books, complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. And nobody's telling you what to do. Well, I'm telling you what we can do. What we can do occurs every two years. But what we all together have to do is inform each other with the truth, right? And informing with the truth also then says, go ahead when you go to that ballot box and vote for the people who are telling the truth and who are willing to do something with what's occurring that hurts us all. The fact that hundreds of executives around in, at all these drug companies all get Millions of dollars every year for writing and writing a few essays and for doing a few Excel spreadsheets, etc., should have you so revoltingly mad. You shouldn't be mad at those things they are telling you to be mad about. Immigration? Are you kidding me? You shouldn't be mad about immigration. You should be saying, immigrants, come on over. There's so much work we have to do would actually reduce the cost of a lot of what we do. You know, the people that we should be mad at are the ones that are making us look the other way as they pick our pockets. $10 million each in 2022. More than half of that was awarded in the form of salaries, I mean, in the form of shares, given each of Merck's leaders a multi-million dollar incentive to maximize profits regardless of the human cost. And isn't that what we're seeing right now? Isn't that what we are seeing right now? And yet, these senior executives don't seem embarrassed. You know, people on welfare, right? You're on food stamps. You're on whatever, you know, they want you to feel, you know, uh, like embarrassed. You know, you're on the dole. You're, 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 you're getting something you didn't work for. You're in food stamps, man. You're on, you're on SSI, man. You're getting something you don't deserve, man. Um, well, you should feel embarrassed. But that corporate executive who's getting $10 million, somebody on food stamps probably max, max, max out likely of a few, maybe two or $3,000 a year 
in what they get probably from the government being on the dole, if you want to call it that or whatever, that's what they get. Maybe 3000 bucks or so that corporate executives for sitting down in that office doing nothing gets $10 million. Who should be embarrassed? The welfare recipient or that executive who's getting $10 million for inventing nothing, for creating nothing, for solving no problem other than being other than winning the lottery to be chosen to be an executive in that company. You know, we have learned how to look down at certain people and how to look up at others. That person that makes $10 million that you would think one would look up to didn't deserve it. That person that makes $3,000 off of, of, of uh, their, their food stamps who go out there and spend that that food stamp money, all of that food stamp money on food, they are creating more economic activity by spending that food stamp money than that guy at Eli Linney comparatively for having worked and done nothing. And I'm not exaggerating here, people. We, we, we have been taught to look down on some who life necessarily have not been kind to who probably's effective worth to society is greater than that executive. But we've learned how to demean the poor. We've learned how to demean those people who, for the job that they do, don't make as much as they're worth. You know, it's, it's amazing how they have reframed our minds from birth. It's an indoctrination that is hard to get around. It's an indoctrination that we have to figure out how to get around so that we can start doing what's right for us all. Okay. And as this article was being written, this from our brother Iskew, uh, the head of EB Eli Lilly exhibited a similar pathology detachment from human need. CEO David Ricks threatened to withhold medicine from seniors and disabled people on Medicare unless his demands were met. You know, they're suing the United States, you know. You know, Brother Biden passed the Inflation Reduction Act. And like I mentioned a few sessions ago, a few radio shows ago, they're suing the government because the government is saying $35 for insulin. No more $35 for insulin for stuff on Medicare. They called it an extortion by the government. The government is extorting the drug company for telling the drug companies, you cannot extort the American people. And now they're suing. They are suing the government for working for the people. Again, for a drug that is out of real patent, for a drug that you, the people with your tax dollars, developed, created with your tax dollars over a hundred years ago, and they're suing. They want your sympathy. They want your pity. They want your pity, people. And they think they can go into a court of law. Now, I imagine they're going to try to get it to be a judge, a trial by judge instead of a trial by jury, because this case just has to be made by a lawyer out there. And the jury is going to say, oh, no, not only are we going to charge $35, we're going to charge three bucks because that's what it really costs. I want, look, 
I want you to know that as we speak about these things, there's nothing about wealth, envy, or us wanting to soak the rich or whatever. The problem is too often the rich is not rich because of their service or their worth to society, but because they know how to play the game of capitalism better than anybody else, a game that requires a certain level of dishonesty to play. You know, that's all. This isn't wealth envy. This is humanity loving, not wealth envy, humanity loving. Okay. Uh, so again, the irony is now they're suing, adopting the mock empathy of an arm twisting gangster. Rick said, the president, that, re that refusing drugs to these patients would be really sad for people who rely on government benefits. Oh, my God, they rely on government benefits, but because the government only is going to give us 35 bucks or whatever, we got to hold back this drug that we're still making a profit from. Really sad for people who rely on government benefits, but it's consequence that market actors will pursue to restrict their exposure to the law. Folks, uh, please, please, uh, for anybody listening to me that wants to attempt to find something good about these companies whose modus operandi is exactly what we're describing here. Do you have a brother? Do you have a mother? Do you have a sister? Do you have a daughter? Do you have an auntie who may be sick? I want you to really, really think about this, folks. I really want you to think about what we're saying here and who we actually support. It is so important. Um, I, you know, there, the article, I have it linked in my, um, in my newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. I'm not going to finish reading the article because it's a very long article, but what I want to, uh, what I want to point out and, you know, just about every paragraph I have to add my narrative. So, you know, I can't read the whole thing, but I want to give you some, some, some context here that, that I'm going to scroll down and give some context. He points out. He points out that Merck sold its painkiller called Vioxx for five years after initial trials raised the possibility that it caused heart attacks, but they still sold it. It did. By the time Merck pulled Vioxx from the market, it had caused an estimated 88,000 heart attacks among Americans. 38,000 of them died. Remember I said, they don't care. It's just about money. It was a great, very profitable drug. Merck reportedly made a, a hit list of doctors who dislike Vioxx, which included words like neutralize and discredit and internal emails said of those physicians. We may need to seek them out and destroy them where they live. This was, these are these executives talking, these $10 million executives, doctors who found out that these drugs cause heart attacks in a bunch of people. They were saying we need to create a hit list of them and get rid of them. The $10 million people, they became hitmen. Merck concealed reports of sexual dysfunction and other risks from its anti-baldness drug Propecia 
including a long trail of suicide reports. Merck was forced to pay $2.3 billion to settle tax fraud charges. Merck paid $650 million to settle for violating the False Claim Act. Merck paid $1.5 million to settle charges of violating federal environmental laws in the Pennsylvania manufacturing facilities. Its additional environmental violations included the use of methylene chloride and proven animal a proven animal carcinogen as solvents in some drugs. Merck paid $688 million to settle claims that it concealed the poor clinical trial outcomes of Vitorin, an anti-cholesterol drug. My point here is let's, let's work together to get things right. We spend now, here's the deal. If the Federalist Papers are characterizing as similar what occurred with Pence and Obama or Pence and Biden with Donald Trump, then how can you take it seriously? Donald Trump, I'm, I'm just going to say this once and then I'm not going to touch it today. Donald Trump had a, a boxes of classified information that included nuclear secrets, etc. That was not the case for Biden or for Pence. When they, Biden found the documents and called the FBI. He could have kept his mouth shut. He called the FBI and said, hey, there are these classified papers we didn't know were here. Come and get them. Similar incident with Mike Pence. Donald Trump said, these are mine. These are mine. These are mine. These are mine. Donald Trump was like a child. Likely wanting to profit from it. So that's a fact. You can look it up anywhere, except the Federalists, if that's where you're getting your information. I don't even bother reading those uh, right-wing papers because they're, it's not only that they're wrong, but those of us who decide to read them are simply giving them some counts, which elevates them inside of the space. Because you're classified, it, it'll, it'll change your classification in the social media space and start giving you some of their information. So don't even bother going to those particular sites that, that are rated as propaganda. You know, like I always put on the screen, politics done right and, and egbertowillis.com, our ratings of factual data is as high as it can go, right? Meaning we don't lie. These other rags are simply terrible. And we don't even bother going there, nor should, should you. So if you see a thing coming from the Federalists or one of these right-wing papers, it's not about read all sides. Read all sides that make sense. Read all sides who have earned, who have earned the right to read. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, what else we have here? Respect America. Sure, you don't lie. You bet your life I don't. Respect America. No, I don't. And I don't intend to start ever. Okay. Um, we have one more piece that I want to play. But before I play, let me see if there's anything else I want to address. Here, I uh, seem to me like Rodnin, uh, Wood, Bridge MCP, Persuasive Barrier, been doing a good job in holding down the truth. You guys are our heroes in the chat. Because remember, when others see this chat, you guys are right there to make sure that things are done right. So you guys are our heroes of the day. 
All right, uh, let's go to the last video of the day. School boards, man. I want you to listen to this, then we'll take it on the other side. School boards, school boards, school boards. MAGA has taken over several school boards. And you know what? In the process, you know what has happened? Teachers are leaving in droves. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. The school year is winding down. In fact, for my kids, today is the last day. But for districts across the country, they're already contending with a looming problem for next year. And that's a shortage of teachers. NBC's Antonio Hilton joins me now. So, Antonio, I have a lot of teachers in my family. This Your reporting does not come as a huge surprise to me. What is going on? Why is it so difficult to keep teachers in the classroom? Well, Ryan, we're seeing this shortage across the country, often fueled by burnout and low pay. But in the state of Texas, teachers tell me it's politics. We met with one teacher who says her dream career has become a nightmare. Take a look. Emily Ramser. On the same day that high school English teacher Emily Ramser won an award for being an outstanding Texas educator. She stood in front of the Grapevine Colleyville School District to tell them why she was among dozens of staff members resigning this year. This community has continuously harassed me for the past few years to the point that there were days I didn't even want to be alive anymore, much less be a teacher. So I'm going to listen to what I am hearing from this community, which is that y'all don't want people like me, people who might be gay to teach here. School districts across the country are facing a teacher shortage fueled by burnout and low pay. But in Texas, many blame politics. Last year, Ramser's district saw a 40% jump in resignations and retirements after new conservative school board members pushed to remove hundreds of books and restrict lessons about race and LGBTQ identities. I have taught these kids for years to write and to grow their voices, and I'm not going to let my actions say something different. Um, Ramser, who identifies as queer, says she was asked to change some of her lessons and to remove classroom artwork and rainbow stickers. Then, one afternoon last year, a parent told a local news site that Ramser encouraged her child to become transgender by lending her a book called The Prince and the Dressmaker. All I did was give a kid a book. What went through your mind? I was terrified. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. The mother who accused Ramser declined to speak with NBC News, but the child and her father say the allegations were false. But the child already identified as transgender. The district cleared Ramser, but never made a statement for her to the public. The district declined to respond to NBC News about this specific case, but acknowledged it has more openings this year than last year, saying many other school districts, not only in Texas, but across the nation, are also experiencing this declining retention rate of teachers and other employees. It's like almost like we're, we're in a battle against the school board when the school board should be on our side. Students described Emily Ramser's classroom as one of the most welcoming spaces at school. I think Mr. Ramser was a few places anyone in general could feel exception, no matter your race, religion, gender, sexuality. Do you feel safe at school right now? Not entirely, no. Sorry. There's a lot of aspects of who I am as a person that I cannot express because of the environment of the school that I go to. NBC News obtained the district's 2023 teacher engagement survey. In it, almost 300 out of 1,500 staffers complained about the board. By the end of the school year, Emily Ramser's once vibrant classroom was barren.
Nobody can stop you from getting the education you deserve. I will give you book recommendations because I can give you book recommendations now. <laughs> Hopefully. But you really can do anything. Surrounded by her students, she was determined to teach one final lesson. Antonio, teachers don't get into that business to get rich. And so it's got to be very frustrating when they have to deal with all these ancillary issues. You know, what type of support are these teachers getting? Well, what they tell me is that they get support from each other. They talk to each other. They give each other advice or job recommendations for the teachers who are looking to change districts or leave the field. But in terms of institutional support, they say that there really isn't a lot. You know, the Texas Education Agency, sort of the equivalent of their Department of Education, measures the attrition rate. And they've seen this spike in teachers leaving the field. If you think a teacher is going to stay, there are teachers, uh, we, we have a shortage of teachers, right? Because teachers are not being paid what they're worth. Teachers are not being paid uh, salaries commensurate with what they provide to society. We give stockbrokers a whole bunch of money. Kids, or, or rather teachers, we don't pay them near what they deserve. So what are they doing? They're deciding if these people want to treat me this way, if they don't really like what I'm doing, the hell I'm going out of here. And that's what they've started doing. And as much as they love teaching, most teachers do it because they love it. They love it. They like that, that feeling of imparting knowledge going forward. But I got taken over a whole lot of, uh, of school boards and the people are saying, well, we're, we're heading out of here. You know how we solve that, right? We go ahead and we get those, uh, in those areas, we go ahead and put back people who really care about your kids, people who really care about education, people who say we are going to make the next generation smarter as opposed to imposing a, a dummified indoctrination on them that is doing perfectly what they want. Make a country dumber. We, we, well, absolutely so. Absolutely so. Check that out. Hey, Bruce is on the line. Hey, Bruce Pollard. How are you doing today, my brother? I'm doing, I'm doing great. great. Oops, you let know, me take I, I this off to prevent the echo. Social Security thing. Uh, say that again, Bruce. I've been thinking about um, Social Security. Yeah, talk to me I'm about trying it. To figure out, I'm trying to figure out how, how the finances work. I give money in and that pays me back. When I calculate if I live to be 90, it'll be about equal. If they change Social Security... Are they just stealing the money for me to put into the pot to pay out, pay back the debt? Uh, you know, the, the bad thing about Social Security is it was designed first as a earned benefit. And as an earned benefit, the idea was that it would uh, somehow pay for itself. But that was never a reality. OK, uh, it's more they had it set up sort of like an insurance policy with the expectation that a lot of people would die, uh, which allows a lot of other people to live longer, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is social security. We need to think about it differently. I'm telling you how it works now. It's a defined benefit right now that supposedly is self-sustaining based on actuarial tables, et cetera, and people coming in. Uh, uh, that, that is how it's so supposed to be. Lost now? It is a net loss right now because of the baby boomers. And as soon as that hump goes away, 
fourteen uh, percent will be more than uh, the, the uh, well. Actually, it's like twelve point five percent would be more than enough to cover for what it pays for. Which means some people getting disabled early. Uh, some people being able to get uh, disability, something that my daughter doesn't qualify for because she's been in school all her life. Uh, and um, so, I mean, there, there are a lot of these different things that, that it is set up to do as a as sort of an insurance policy. But I don't want that. People who believe in humanity, that's not what they think Social Security is supposed to be. Social Security is supposed to be a compact with society that says, those people who reach a certain age, based on what society says, should finish working. Right now, as it turns out, and, and, and also funded by general tax dollars based on your income level. People who make over, I don't remember what the number is, maybe the, uh, Rodney, get it for me, but I, I think it's something like 160 something thousand dollars over that. Nobody pays Social Security and anything over that. But if you have that most of the income in this country are made by high or, or, or made by 10% of the people or whatever that number is, that says that those people, that most of your income, most of the income of this country isn't Social Security taxable, which tells you why we are so in we, this situation. So we either raise that number to 500,000 or something. I don't want to raise the. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. We pay people. We pay people. We pay people a reasonable wage, so they're not underpaid and and not being able to contribute more. Exactly. Exactly. But what I'm saying is, I I want I want it to be more perfect than that. In other words, every single income dollar, whether it be capital gains or income, the only reason there's a distinction between income gotten as capital gains as opposed to wage income is because somebody had a lobbyist. Otherwise, all incomes yeah. would be just income. The only reason capital gains is treated differently is some is that people with capital gains had a lobbyist. But that said, here's the interesting thing, Bruce. If we taxed every single income dollar for Social Security, we could, number one, drop this, the rate of Social Security from 13 point something 12 point something percent, likely to, I don't know, six, seven percent. In other words, if we taxed all income, Social Security costs for everybody would fall, right? And we would be able yep. to cover everything. So people would say, well, I don't want to tax the billionaire at 14%. First of all, you should tax him at more than that, but that's another, another debate. But if we were to have all income, first of all, we should not classify income based on capital versus wage. In fact, if we really wanted to do that, wage income should be taxed at a lesser rate than capital gains income because capital gains is passive income where you're not doing anything to do it, while wage income is something that you're risking arm, leg, and everything else. So, I mean, I think if, you're, if you want to be, if you really wanted to say, treat them differently, preferential income would be wage income and not capital gains income. Like I said, in America, we think capital and business over humanity. And that is, that is a perfect example of that, that we charge more, that we, that we tax capital less than we tax wage, wage income tells you where our loyalties lie. You know what I mean, Bruce? Yeah. And, and privilege, privilege sits in that other side too. Exactly. Exactly. There's one side that's not getting anything and, and the people who are getting all the capital and their, their privilege drives them all up. 
Exactly. Yeah. I was I was looking today. I I have to get like a brace for my knee. Uh huh. Looking today at the different kinds of braces, and I saw um, an advertisement um, and a really good description of the braces of a place in Alberta, Canada. And then I was looking to see how much they cost. And they said, so if you have this and this and this disease, or you're this and this and this age, the cost is zero percent. Yes. Just, just get a note from your doctor. Um, I had uh, at Netroots I interviewed, and you are going to meet this guy at Netroots. I'm pretty sure he come he comes every year, and he comes and he does an interview with Politics Done Right every year. So you're going to meet him. Uh, I him. Yeah, you're going to meet him uh, in next month when we are out there at Netroots. And uh, I, I, you're going to, you know, he's a very, and, and it, again, this is a conservative Democratic kind of guy, all right? He's not like this real progressive like I am. In fact, he didn't even want to talk too much about Medicare for all. But then he says, you know, when we're in Canada, we don't even think, we don't even think about money when it comes to healthcare. We just have this card that is like a social security here in the United States. You give the card and your primary care physician is like your air traffic controller. They direct you to where you need to go. I mean, think about that, yeah, man. We have friends. We have friends that were teachers, each of them for 30 years, and then now they retired. And um, because the teachers, the way teachers pay money in and out isn't exactly Social Security. Right. So it's even another bad rap for them. They're going to just, they're, and it turns out their kids live in Canada, but they're just going to move to Canada. It makes sense. I mean, uh, if I if I had dual citizenship in Canada... As soon as as I, as I was, re but I, I'm never going to retire, so it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? But for what I do, I could work in Canada. But the, the thing about it is, um, uh, the, the, the thing about it is, it makes fiscal sense. I was telling Linda the other day, uh, if, if things were to just go too south, I would just move back to Panama, keep my dual citizenship, and work from Panama, you know? But again, it would be difficult flying to net routes and flying here and there. It, you know, it costs that much more. So you'll have to see what the break-even point would be. Uh, but uh, for, well, and and the life expectancy of journalists in Panama is not uh, <laughs> is not the same as here. That is, you know, you know, Bruce. That is so is so true, my brother. But anything else you have before I I, I close it? I do my ask and close this stuff down, my brother. Yeah, okay, everybody have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week. Before you go, Bruce, happy Father's Day, brother, and happy Father's Day to all the... Yeah, the for you. Thank you, sir. Give Meredith my regards on her new baby, okay? Yep, baby's doing well. All right, take care, buddy. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you so kindly for being here with the show. I want to ask you to please support the program. Please support the program by going to politicsdoneright.com slash... Patreon. We need a lot more patrons, folks. We need a lot more patrons. Please go to politicsunright.com slash patrons. But if, if, if patrons is not your thing to support us, there are a lot of ways in which you can support us. And I have it all listed in politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. Or if you're on YouTube right now, why not click that join button and become a part of the PDR Posse. By the way, you know, we have books and clothes and all that good stuff with pot that, 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 that's here. 
that you can support us in one of the many ways. If you want something for your support, you can get it. If you want to just give support, you can get it. Thank you for the, the, the happy Father's Day from all my peeps, including Bridge and others. Um, uh, thank you so kindly. Uh, again, before I go, happy Father's Day. I know all of you are wonderful parents out there. If you're not, become one. It's never too late to go tell that kid how much you love that kid. You know, uh, because I tell you one thing, man, I almost lost the only one that I've ever had. And uh, the feeling of dread that one has, the feeling of dread as you watch your kid potentially going to the other side in front of your eyes is a feeling no one. I wish on no one. So remember, life is precious. Go give your kid a hug. Let that kid know how much you love them over and over and over again. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. <laughs>